All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get into the word of God. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your presence here today. We also, Heavenly Father, we pray for those in Aurora, Colorado, victims of that horrible shooting, the family members, the loved ones, that you would comfort them in this time of sorrow. We know that the Holy Spirit is the comforter. So Holy Spirit, comfort those who need comfort this morning. Now we thank you for your word that will go forth here. It will accomplish good things in the lives of those that will hear it, believe it, receive it, and act upon it and cooperate with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is a friendly family church. Greet a couple of people and then you can be seated. Okay, let's get into the Word of God. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, the 9th chapter and the 8th verse. 2 Corinthians, the 9th chapter and the 8th verse. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can raise your hand real high and our ushers ushers will be glad to loan you one of ours. The scriptures will be on the screens, but it's always good, I believe, to turn in the Bible and so if you don't have one with you, just raise your hand real high. Our ushers will be glad to loan you one of ours. You can just leave it on the seat when you leave today so we can use it again next time. If you don't have a Bible, then you can just be blessed and there you have a Bible. Take it with you. Amen. Second Corinthians, the ninth chapter, the eighth verse. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Notice, all grace God is able to make all grace abound toward you. I'm going to title this message today, Grace, Grace, Grace. Now, why did I say grace three times? Because there's three different types of grace that the Bible talks about that you need to be aware of. The first is saving grace. Saving grace The second is serving grace. And the third is standing grace. Saving grace, serving grace, and standing grace. And all three types are available to each and every one of us. You start out with saving grace. And then if you experience that, then you're a candidate for serving grace. And then you experience that, then you're a candidate for standing grace. So let's talk about these three types of grace today. We'll start with the the first one. Now this first one has to do with whether or not you're going to go to heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven? That's a good deal. How many of you want to miss hell? All right. And uh, so you're going to need to understand something about this saving grace. See, saving grace is God's undeserved and unearned, notice unearned, favor. His undeserved, we're talking about saving grace, His undeserved and unearned 
favor, which he provided us through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, saving us from an eternal hell and giving us eternal life. I like to say it this way, grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Did you ever think about that? God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's what saving grace is. It's, it's undeserved and unearned favor which God provided to us through the death the shed blood, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, for more on saving grace, look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Notice this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says this. For by grace, see, by grace, you have been what? Saved. So this is talking about saving grace. By grace, you have been saved through what? Through, through faith. And actually, all three types of grace are accessed through faith. By believing God, trusting Him. But notice, saving grace, by grace you've been saved through faith. Saved from what? Saved from going to hell. Amen. Saved through faith. And then notice what it says. And not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Well, a gift is free, isn't it? It's free. And notice the Bible goes on in verse 9 and it says what? Not of works, lest anyone should boast. See, we cannot get saved in and of our good works. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. If there was some work that I could do to, to deserve God's grace and uh, to be saved as a result of my work or works, I could stand before God and boast. But you see, there's no works that we can do that will save us. It's by His grace and completely by His grace, not of works, Lest anyone should boast. There's no one that will ever be able to boast before God that they did something to cause them to be able to enter heaven. You need to realize that. You need to realize this. And we need to keep this in our thinking. On your best, your best day. You know what I mean? Your best day. My best day. Put together. Your best day and my best day. You know what I mean by best day? No. Doing nothing wrong. Just... Where does it put us? It puts us in hell, doesn't it? You know, don't ever forget that. It's real easy as Christians to begin to think, well, I'm just so good and I've done so, so many good things that, that you know, God's going to let me into heaven. He's not going to let you or me in because of anything we've done. You need to realize that. And see, actually, the hardest people to get, to get saved are people that think that they can be saved by their good works. Have you ever tried to share the goodness of God and the grace of God with somebody that they thought it was their good works that was going to get them into heaven? You ever done that besides me? 
They're, they're real hard to get those kind of people saved because they're trusting in themselves. They're trusting in their good works. And, and when you start talking to them, they'll, did you ever notice they'll just keep going back to, I know people that, that they'll go back, well, I was good to my parents. Well, you ought to be good to your parents, but that doesn't save you. Well, I, I never stole any money. Well, you shouldn't steal money, but that doesn't save you. Does it? Huh? And, and, and if you study the Bible, it'll teach us that if you can be perfect in everything, but if you mess up in one little area, the Bible says we're guilty of all. Remember that? So that's why we need God's grace. How many of you need God's grace today? I, I need His grace. See? So let's remember that, that it's God's grace, not our works. The Bible said, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, good works is something that a Christian should be full of. We should be full of good works. But those good works do not save us. Did you get that? A lot of people have trouble with this, and it's very simple. See, uh, a Christian should be full of good works, but the good works do not save us. It's the grace of God. Uh, I've, I've seen lots of folks over the years, they're full of good works, but they've never trusted Jesus Christ and the grace of God. And you know that's really a sad thing, isn't it? When people, how many's met good people? I mean, they're good people, but but they're full of good works. And I know this is a hard statement, but it's it's the Bible. They're full of good works and they die and they go to hell. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? Because the only way to miss hell and make heaven is through Jesus Christ and you access him by faith and then the grace of God kicks in and we get what Jesus called born again. Realize, say born again. You must be born again. What does that mean? That means that when you repent of your sins and you ask Jesus into your heart, then the spirit of God, uh, uh, he hits your spirit. We'll put it that way. He, he comes inside you and he causes you to be hooked back up with the life of God, you become born again. The grace of God, it's all by the grace of God. And then Christians should be full of good works. Christians should be full of good works. But do those good works save us? No. No. Now something that also concerns me is when I see somebody who professes to be saved but yet you never see any evidence of it. Did you get what I just said there? People profess to be saved, but they still, I mean, they just, there's horrible works in their life. There's nothing, they're still, they're still cheating, they're still lying, they're still stealing, they're still, you know, committing sexual sin, they're still, you know, gossiping, and you just never see any change. I'm concerned about those people, aren't you? 
Because if you access the, how do you access God's saving grace? Through what? Through faith. Is that right? But once you access that saving grace, there should be a change in your life, shouldn't there? Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but there should be a change. I've seen so many people over the years walk the aisle to get saved and they say a prayer, but then you watch them over time and there's no evidence that anything ever happened to them. I don't believe those folks access the grace of God, the saving grace of God. They just had a little mental experience. Because if you really access the the, the grace of God and you get saved, there is going to be a difference. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new and all things are now of God. Is that right? You remember reading that in the Bible? Okay. Praise God. So we're talking about God's saving grace. Um, Now, can you access the saving grace by works? Yes or no? I'm going to see if you're listening. Yes or no? How do you access it? Through what? Through faith. That means by believing God. Is that right? Actually, the Bible says, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but in the book of Galatians, the Bible says that when we try to access God's saving grace through works, that it frustrates the grace of God. I don't want to frustrate the grace of God, do you? I just want to admit, hey, you know, I'm a sinner, I've missed it, and in and of my own merit, I'm going to hell. But you know what? We've turned from our old life, we've asked Jesus into our heart, we're trusting in Him, and as a result of that, by believing Him, the grace of God has kicked in, and bless God, we're going to miss hell and make heaven, all because of what Jesus did in the grace of God. Can anybody say amen? Glory to God. Now, I just feel impressed that, let's go over to the book of James, Let's talk a little bit more. It just seems like we need to talk a little bit more about this works thing. Because it's so easy to fall into a works mentality. Now, should a Christian be full of good works? Yes or no? Yes. But do those good works save us? No. We'll be rewarded for those good works one day. There's crowns that Jesus will hand out. You know, how many want to get some of those crowns? That'd be good. You know, and there's things that, yes, we can work for, but we just can't work for our salvation. We can re, we can work for reward, those crowns, but we can't work for our salvation. Do you understand that? How many of you understand that? Am I making that clear? Now, we're going to read something here that's going to seem to be contradictory. So let's read it and then we'll we'll explain it. And I think you'll see. Look at James 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren? See, now, before we were reading what the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul, now we're going to read what the Holy Spirit is saying through James, who was a pastor of a church. He was a pastor of a church. He says, James 2.14, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith, and actually, can that kind of faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of, notice, destitute of daily food and one of them says to them depart in peace be warmed be filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body what does it profit thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead but someone will say you have faith and i have works show me your faith 
without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Now, it almost sounds like, and if you just read it real quick, it sounds like James and Paul are being contradictory, but they're not. You need to realize that Paul, remember we just read what Paul said? For by grace you've been saved through what? Faith. Not of yourselves. It's a free gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Remember? And then we just read here what James said. Here's what you need to realize. Paul was addressing only the salvation issue. Okay? In other words, Paul was just addressing the ticket to heaven issue. Okay? Whereas James is addressing, he was a pastor of a church, James is addressing Christians... Those who are already saved, those who already have the ticket to heaven, and they had a faith talk, but not a corresponding walk. Did you get that? And what he was saying here is, you know, hey, believers, those that trust in Jesus, if somebody comes up to the church and they're truly destitute and they're truly in need of food now i'm not talking about somebody did you know there's people that work try to work the system and they'll go from church to church to church just to try to get money and food did you realize that i've dealt with them for 17 years now if someone truly comes up and needs help we need to help them but there's a lot of folks that just go around and try to build churches out of money that's sad isn't it But if somebody actually came up to the door and they actually needed help and we just said, be warmed, be filled, we'll just have a word of prayer with you and we have the ability to help them, but we don't. James is saying, hey, what kind of a Christian are you? You wouldn't be much of one, would you? See, so... Let's read it again here. He says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone, this is verse 14, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith or can that kind of faith save him? What he's essentially saying here is that, hey, if you're really a Christian, you're going to have some corresponding good works in your life. It's just that those good works in and of themselves won't save you. See, works are not the uh, root of our salvation, they're the fruit of it. Real loud say, works are not the root, but the fruit of our salvation. You okay with that? You alright? I'll say it this way. There's nothing you can do to help God out to get you into heaven. Say it that way. We're saved by grace through faith. Let's don't ever forget that. But if we're actually saved, there's going to be a change in our life and we're going to be full of good works. Uh, In the book of Philippians, the Bible says, work out your own salvation. Do you ever remember reading that? Work out your own salvation. It didn't say work for your own salvation. It said work out 
And what that actually means is, when it says work out your own self, what that means is, is that to allow that which is on the inside to work its way to the outside. How many of you, if you're like me, when you got saved, you know, you're new on the inside, but you still have that flesh to deal with. How many's ever messed up and sinned since they've gotten saved besides me? How many's messed up more than once? How many more than twice? How many more than three times? If I had anything else to raise, I'd raise it. You know, we've messed up. Now, now we don't have to sin, but we still have this flesh to deal with. Okay? But you see, we're new on the inside, and so we need to let that new man work his way out so that we're cooperating with the Word of God and that our flesh is not sinning anymore. Can you say amen? You okay? But is it good to know that if we miss it, we still have the grace of God and He'll forgive us if we'll repent and confess that sin? Amen? So do you know a little bit more or have you been reviewed up a little bit here, refreshed on the, the grace of God? How many, how many of you are glad for the grace of God? I, I sure am. We're in trouble without it. Did, did you realize that? What is what, it, Let's say to say God's riches at Christ's expense. One more time. God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus paid an awesome price to get us the grace of God. I'm so glad he did. Amen? Somebody said, well, yeah, but grace is just a license to sin. Well, I've noticed people will sin without a license. Now, that's not original with me, but a good minister said that years ago, and, and that's true. But if you really understand the grace of God, see, because they were getting on the Apostle Paul, you know, some of his critics, you know, and uh, any good man or woman of God will always have critics. It's just the way it is. But they were saying, Paul, you're teaching that, you know, that, that, that this grace is just going to, you know, I'll put it in my own words, just give people a license to sin. Not if you really understand the grace of God. Not if you really understand what Paul was saying. This grace of God, the saving grace of God, does not give us a license or an empowerment to sin. Actually, if you understand it, it's just the reverse. The grace of God gives us an empowerment to not sin. Amen? And, and, and I want to make it clear... Do you remember what, uh, I believe it's 1 John 1, 9 says? It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's talking to Christians there. You need to realize that that verse is there as a safety net for us. It's not there for us to just continue a sinful life. Because and, and, I've already had people say this to me. They said, well, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm Christians now. I know what I'm doing is wrong. But I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway, and then I'll just First John 1, 9 it tonight before I go to bed. That just means they'll confess it and ask the Lord to forgive them before they go to, go to bed. But then they, I'm going to go ahead and do that sin again tomorrow. How many of you know that they're, they're on dangerous ground, aren't they? See, that's frustrating the grace of God. But I will tell you this, if you mess up as a Christian and you are, are truly sorry... Here's one way you can, can, can know that you're a Christian is, remember a while ago when I was raising my feet and my hands and all that? Well, every time I've messed up since I've been saved, you know what? On the inside there's been a, oh, 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 oh like a grieving. Has anybody ever had that besides me? 
See, if you've got that grieving, you know, on the inside of you, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Then repent of that thing. Turn from it. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Confess it to Him, and He'll forgive you. Amen? You okay? All right, now that's a saving grace. Now, let's talk about these other two in the time I have left. The serving grace of God. Serving grace. Go over to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10. We could talk about His saving grace for you know, weeks and weeks and weeks and still not even scratch the surface of it. But I think we've said enough there that that uh, it'll be helpful to you. Now let's talk about his serving grace. Now this serving grace is available to Christians, those who have partook of his saving grace, now serving grace. Now serving grace is this. It's God's ability, his empowerment, his ability upon believers to serve in a particular capacity. God's ability upon believers, upon Christians, to serve, see it's serving grace, to serve in a particular capacity. Let's look here at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. The Apostle Paul says this, But by the grace of God, notice, see that? But by the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace Toward me was not in vain, but I labored. Or we could say I served. I labored. I served. We're talking about serving grace now. I labored. I served more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but... But what was it? It was the grace of God which was with me. So you need to realize... As a Christian, once, you know, once you've experienced his saving grace, that's what makes you a Christian. But now you're a candidate for his serving grace. And Paul said, I served, I labored more abundantly than they all. But he said, it wasn't me that was serving. Oh, he was actually doing it, but it was the grace of God. I mean, he, he was yielding to it, his body, he was yielding to it. But it was the grace of God, that empowerment of God upon him to do what he was doing. Now, I uh, just want to read from my notes here. I've heard people say this, Christians say this over the years. They'll say, well, Pastor, God just hasn't graced me to serve in a particular area. And you know there is a truth in that. How many of you know not all of us are graced to do everything within a church? Is that right? But each of us have the serving grace of God available to do what it is God's told us to do or directed us to do within a local church setting. And it doesn't just have to be within a local church, but we'll just kind of talk about that today since we're here in a local church. But, you know, having said that, I've observed Christians aware of a need in a certain area And I've heard them say, well, God just hasn't graced me in that area. And while there's a truth in that, did you know that that can also be used as a cop-out? Real loud say cop-out. Have you ever heard of Epaphroditus? Epaphroditus was was a man in the New Testament days, in the time of the Apostle Paul. And did you know that Epaphroditus almost died, physically died, because other Christians wouldn't yield to God's serving grace? Look at Philippians 2, verse 30. 
Look at Philippians 2 verse 30. I want you to see this. Epaphroditus almost died. And notice what the Apostle Paul says here in Philippians 2 verse 30. He says, because for the work of Christ, he, Epaphroditus, is who it's talking about, came close to death, not regarding his life. Now why? To supply what was lacking in your service toward me. What does this tell us? It tells us that there were Christians that God had appointed to do certain things, but they would not yield to God's serving grace. And so because they wouldn't yield to God's serving grace, then someone else, in this case Epaphroditus, had to pick up the slack. And as a result, in this case, this man came near to death. Well, I would, I would not like to be the person that, that, that there was a need, something needed to be done, and I could have yielded to God's serving grace, but I didn't do it because of whatever the reason. And somebody else had to pick up the slack, and they almost died. That, or if they did die, wouldn't that be a horrible thing to have to live with? It sure would. And as a pastor, I've, I've watched this over the years, you know, where you'll have needs in a, in a church, you know. We've had those things around here over the years. And, and you know, you'll, you'll have, sometimes you'll have one person that, that, you know, will have to do multiple things. Because others won't, you know, yield to the serving grace of God. It's a good example here this morning. I didn't know it was going to play out this way. But uh, like my wife, for example, this is a good example. It's not to put anyone down. But my wife, she just led worship up here. Okay, okay, and God's graced her to do that. And now, see, she should be, and, and she is just about every week, but sometimes, but she, she should be sitting right here right now. Don't you think that's pretty good? She led worship this morning. But now this morning, she's not here. She's over in the children's church working over there. Now, do I need to say anything else? She shouldn't have to be doing that, should she? And she didn't tell me to say this. She doesn't run this pulpit. The Holy Ghost does. You understand that? That's a good thing. Say, that's good. Well, that's good. But, but you see, that there's something wrong there, wouldn't you say? But you see, sometimes people have to, you know, because, because others won't yield to that grace... Then other people have to what we call overyield. Now my wife isn't anywhere near close to the point of death, but in this case Epaphroditus was. Do you follow what the Spirit of God is saying there? So you pray about it. Seek the Lord. Maybe He has something for you to do. And the grace of God is, well, well I, just, I just can't do that, Pastor. Well, no, I know you can't do it, but you can yield to the serving grace of God. Amen? And then again, when people do yield to the serving grace of God, another statement I've heard over the years as well, Pastor, God's grace is just lifting from me. I'm not talking about His saving grace. I'm talking about His serving grace. And certainly there's a truth here. Sometimes God can have you in a position 
you know, serving in a position, his grace can empower you to do that until someone comes along who, who's called to do that certain thing. But the thing you need to realize is that when you yield to this serving grace and you step into a position to serve, God is not as quick to lift that serving grace as we might think. Amen. You see, God can put his serving grace upon anyone who has a willing heart to serve in areas where they may have no real interest or ability. You need to realize that. Uh, now, it's true that sometimes folks can... O- Did you know people can overyield to the serving grace of God? Now, we could say Epaphroditus... He may have over yielded to the serving grace of God. What happened? He was he almost died because of it. I've watched folks over the years where, you know, they've seen needs that needed to be met and they would begin, you know, to yield to God's serving grace and they'd serve in this area, this area, this area, this area. Do you know you can burn yourself out serving the Lord? And that's something we're sensitive to. We don't want anybody to do that. Um it is possible to overyield to God's serving grace and become distracted. You remember Mary and Martha? Do you remember? They were sisters of that fellow that died. Jesus rose him up. What was his name? I think it started with an L. Oh, Lazarus. Remember Mary and Martha? Do you remember one of them sat at Jesus' feet? Which one was that? That was Mary. Now, but there was another one who was a, I mean, she's a good lady. But she, the the Bible says she was distracted. I think Jesus actually said it. She was distracted with much serving. How many of you know there's one thing that's needful and Jesus said that what it was, it's to sit at his feet and hear the word of God. Is that right? Is that correct? So, uh, you know, serve the Lord. Yield to that serving grace. But uh, you can only go so far. And sometimes, you know, it's easy to get so full of good works and so vigorous about serving God. You know, I've watched people over the years, they got so busy serving God that they lost, not their salvation, but they lost a close walk with God. Did you ever think about that? I've watched that over the years. We want to serve God, but we want to keep our close fellowship with Him. That's, that's more important. But how many of you know you can have them both? Is that right? You can have a close walk with God and you can serve God. Just, just don't work yourself to death. Amen? Now let's conclude by talking about His standing grace. His standing grace. Go to Romans, the fifth chapter. We'll conclude by talking about His standing grace. Standing grace. Now what is standing grace? See, See, serving grace was God's ability. But standing grace is His strength and His power. How many of you want to get in on His strength and His power? I mean, I want to get in on that. See, God's standing grace is His his strength, His power that enables us to stand victorious both in life and against the schemes of the devil. I want a piece of that action. I want His standing grace. But you see, 
To get to his standing grace, you have to first have yielded to his saving grace, and then you would have had to yield to his serving grace, and now you're a candidate for his standing grace. I've watched Christians over the years. They get in a bind. They get in trouble. The devil attacks them. And they're crying out for God's standing grace. Well, if you don't yield, I've I've just learned this through experience. I've watched this over so many years now. If you won't yield to God's serving grace, then you're really not a candidate for his standing grace. Did you hear me? You're really not a candidate for it. If you won't yield his serving grace and serve God wherever he has a need, then you're really not a candidate for what we're about to talk about now. But bless God, I know a whole lot of people who are who have served God. So if you've served God and you've yielded to his serving grace, now you're a candidate for his standing grace, his strength that will enable you to stand victorious both in life and against the schemes of the devil. Look at Romans 5.2. Romans 5.2, Paul says... Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we what? In which we stand. Now it's certainly, you can make argument that he's talking about his saving grace. But I think if you look at 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, you're going to see that not only did Paul experience God's saving grace? How many of you know Paul really had a big dose of God's saving grace, didn't he? He went from being Saul, a persecutor of the church, to becoming Paul, perhaps the greatest apostle. It was because of God's saving grace. And then he served God. He, he yielded to God's serving grace. And now he says, through whom also we have access by faith. See, here's how you access the grace of God. It's by faith into this grace in which we stand. Now let's look at an example of how this standing grace came upon Paul in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter and the 7th verse. Let's go there. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And I tell you what, this is really a good example of of how Paul yielded and got in on the standing grace of God. Look at this. Verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations... See, the Lord was given Paul a lot of revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. Now, much argument has been made about what is that thorn in the flesh. Well, if you read on, don't stop and argue, read on. He tells you what it is. It was a messenger of Satan or the devil to buffet me. So then right away, people won't do their homework. And then they're going to argue that, well, it was some sickness or disease. It wasn't a sickness or a disease. Some people will say that Paul, poor Paul, had an eye disease because he told that one church that, you know, he'd give him his very eyes if he could. Well, it's like saying I'd give you the shirt off my back. If I said I'd give you the shirt off my back, somebody could go out and say, well, Pastor Terry doesn't have shirts anymore. You know what I mean if I give you the shirt off my... You know what that... What does that mean? That means I'd help you any way I could. Besides, they were taking aprons from Paul's body to the sick people and getting them healed. Is that right? Or handkerchiefs from his body. If he had some... Some people say he had an eye disease with, with, with all kinds of mucus running down his face. Now, you wouldn't want to take handkerchiefs from him to sick people, would you, if that was the case? No, Paul wasn't sick. We've got to fix that. Paul wasn't sick. 
He was full of the power of God. What was this messenger? What was this messenger? Read the Bible, you'll see. It was people who were yielding to the devil and persecuting Paul. Did you know that people would go in in front of Paul and they'd even come in behind him when he'd go into a certain area and they'd get, they'd get devout people stirred up and they'd cause him all kinds of trouble. Um, he had all sorts of difficulties and that was the thorn in the flesh. That was the messenger of Satan to buffet him. It was people, read the New Testament, you'll see it. People who were yielding to the devil and persecuting Paul. Have you ever had anybody in your life that, that, that they were there just to give you a hard time? Oh, it's just me. Are you all human out there today? How many has ever had a pain in the neck? Somebody in your life that was a pain in the neck. (laughs) She wants to drop about three feet. I see. Pain in the backside. Have you ever had somebody that... Are you human? Okay. You've had... How many of you, you've had the devil come against you in one form or another? Persecution. People talking bad about you. People lying on you. People telling half-truths on you. People trying to, to, to stop you, discourage you. Has anybody ever dealt with that kind of thing besides me? I think we all have. The Apostle Paul had this in, in abundance. He had professional criticizers. He had professional people coming against him. I don't know that I've ever had any professional people coming against me. Like the one preacher said, I've been criticized by professionals. He had people coming against him on every side. He said, a thorn in the flesh, a pain in the neck, we could say. And then verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. How many of you know a lot of times we just ask God to take something away? Just take it away, take it away. And he pled with him three times. And, of course, people come in there and say, well, God told Paul no. God did not tell Paul no. You know what, Paul, what God told Paul? Read on. He said, my grace, real loud say my grace. He said, my grace is what? Sufficient for you. How many of you know his grace is sufficient? No matter what you're going through, no matter what's coming against you, God's grace, what are we talking about? His standing grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you for my... Notice we're talking about his standing grace. It's his strength. He says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. The Apostle Paul had some low times. He had some tough times. He was serving God. One time outside Lystra, they pulled him outside of town and they beat him and left him for dead. How many of you know when they did that to Paul, he didn't say, well, you know, looks like God's grace is, his serving grace is lifting up off of me. I'm just going to quit. No, you know what he did when they beat him and left him for dead? Some disciples came, surrounded him, prayed, with, prayed for him. He, he got back up. He shook the dust off. He went right back into the town. He went right back preaching the word of God. He went right back yielding to the serving grace of God. And as he yielded to that serving grace, that standing grace, that power of God came on him and he continued to stand strong in the power and the grace of almighty God. Can you say amen? He said, my grace is sufficient for you 
For my strength is made perfect in weakness. See, if you're here today and you've served God and you've yielded to that serving grace and now something has come against you and the devil is buffeting you and I don't care what he's coming against you with, I'm telling you what, there's the standing grace, the standing empowerment of Almighty God. It's available to you today and all you have to do is yield to it, believe in it, trust God for it and that power of God will come on you and you can rise up in that circumstance and you can command the devil to flee. You can command the sickness to flee. You can command the disease to flee. Glory to God. And it has to go. If there's people buffeting you, you stand in that grace of God. You walk in love toward them. You pray for them. You do good unto them. And the coals of fire, the Bible says, will be heaped upon their head if they don't repent. And you go on in the power of God. And you continue to walk with God and serve Him all the way through. Can you say Amen? Glory to God. I get excited. Preacher ought to get excited. Amen. My grace is sufficient. I'm glad his grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly I'll rather boast in my infirmities. He's talking there not about sickness but weakness. That the what? That the what? That the the power of Christ. That's the power. That's the anointing of God. The power of Christ. That standing grace may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. What's Paul saying? I take pleasure in weaknesses? How can a man say that? He can say it if he understands and knows something about God's standing grace. I look for the next opportunity when I'm weak and I'm insufficient in and of myself. Why is that? Because I know that at that time, the standing grace of God, the power of God is going to come on me. And we'll get the victory and God will get the glory. I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, when I'm weak, then I am what? Strong. Why? Because of the standing grace of God. Let's close real quick. Hebrews 4.16. We're going to close right here. Look at what Hebrews 4.16 says. Therefore, let us come boldly. Hebrews 4.16, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace. What's the difference between grace and mercy? It's very simple. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy... Well, I deserve hell, but I'm not going there. That's mercy. Not getting what you deserve. Well, I don't deserve heaven, but I'm going there. That's the grace of God. Getting what I don't deserve. Isn't that wonderful? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to what? To help in what? In time of need. So if you're here today, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior... You're in, you need some help. You're in time of need. So you can go to the throne of grace and obtain saving grace. If you're here today and you've looked around or you feel in your heart there's a need in your life or somebody else's life, not in your life, but somebody else's life or in a church that needs to be filled, seek the Lord. Ask Him for that serving grace to come upon you. Maybe if you're here today and there's something coming against you in your life, We can go to the throne of grace. You can go to the throne of grace and find that standing grace to help in time of need. Amen? Stand with me and let's close with a word of prayer.
1 